0: This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome, friend. The Finding Something Real podcast is designed especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. As someone who's been through my own ups and downs with faith, my desire is to create an invitational place for people to process and address questions about God and Christianity. So if you're not sure what you believe about God, I get that. And if you're skeptical, hey, you've come to the right place. But I invite people to go on a journey with me because I believe Jesus is real and my desire is to share him with you. And today we're diving deeper into season six with more questions curated by Gaia from Italy, who co-hosted with me back in April. We'll go ahead and dive into today's talk in just a moment. But first, a few words regarding stuff that helps keep us on the air. Hi, friend. This podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and Faithful Counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for Finding Something Real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and you are listening in for season six, friend, where we've been starting off each month with a different young woman, sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. This month we are featuring some bonus content And in fact, uh, the content we're featuring at the start of this month, uh, weeks one, two, and three, have been uh, with or for my friend Gaia from Italy, who was featured back in April. We just had so many great questions and so many great uh, things to touch on in that conversation, that first conversation that we had that we had to have extra episodes. So I'm really excited to welcome her back here in a minute. So far, we've aired several episodes with her tackling questions about whether God's character is loving, whether the Bible is trustworthy, whether people who reject Jesus will face eternal consequences, and whether God cares who we choose to have romantic relationships with. Uh, We've had a lot of those kind of discussions and more, and I'm thrilled to say that Gaia is back today Gaia, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is one of the best experiences I have had the chance to do since I got back from the States because I've been an exchange student in the U.S. That's how I met Danelle, and that's been one of the best experiences I could ever do because once I got back, I was just so confused in everything in my life. And this kind of clarifying path has really helped me through. So I'm really happy to be here as always. I I
0: love that you're here as always. And (laughs) uh, what have you been up to the last few months? Because it's been a few months since we've chatted.
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, last few months of school forever of my life. So I'm basically done with high school. I mean, I finished all my classes, but I still have to graduate because we're, we're going to do the big exams that I've been telling you about this entire year that have just kept me very busy. So I've been studying a little bit and I've been working out, I've been going out with my friends and trying to schedule my future because I'm moving out in a few months, well, in just th- two months. So I'm planning my life. That's basically it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Guy, I know you touched on it just a minute ago that this journey has been impactful for you. What has stood out to you the most over the last few conversations that we've had with different people?
1: Um, So the entire uh, trusted Bible was very impactful for me because after that happened, I kind of felt a different connection when yeah when listening to the bible or just when listening to people talking about it or at school when i heard some teachers talking about it i was like feeling closer to this topic but something that was really you know important was talking about love and uh that god doesn't really care who we love mm-hmm. but at the same time there's this kind of you know i, w- I wouldn't call it rule but um what I learned throughout this journey is that God loves everyone. I don't think he really cares about, you know, who we love, as long as we love each other respectfully and kindly and deeply as we treat people right. And we are treated right.
0: Hmm. Well, it's interesting because I'm pretty sure every guest we've had on has pushed back on that (laughs) a little bit. So it's kind of funny. Not all of it. Some of it, yes, Uh, but some of it differently, but um one thing that we haven't talked about yet, Gaia, and, and by the way, you and I, hopefully at the end of this conversation today, we'll be recording our Patreon episode for this month, um, where we can talk a little bit of more about that topic. But um, one thing that we haven't really talked about, it's the topic of suffering. And the reason I thought it would be really good to talk about that is because, first of all, none of us will go through life without experiencing some, um, but you in a unique way, have experienced uh, a suffering that a lot of people your age, I don't think have. Um, And that is the loss of someone very, very dear and close to you. Um, And there's no way I truly believe this, that we can go through a a deep loss like what you've experienced and not be changed spiritually in some way. Um, So before we introduce today's special guest, and I'm really excited for, you know, just to hear her story. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about your grandma and what happened um for those who haven't heard the first episode with you?
1: Totally. So, um basically my journey with suffering and healing and then dealing with pain is all of a consequence of what happened uh 3 years ago, so in April 2020 in the middle of the pandemic time here in Italy, especially in the south, it was the very beginning of multiple people dying and my grandma was one of the first ones in this area so it was very impactful for everyone it was also very shocking Uh, my grandma was perfectly healthy and she was such she is such a beautiful woman and she's the kindest person i've ever met she's the most i don't know she's the most beautiful person. Her soul is amazing. And she is so lovely. And she has been teaching me so much in my life. So I'm very grateful for her and to her, first of all. And she has always been my kind of light in the dark, because I have experienced a very heavy and hard time of my life with the with my parents uh, divorced, but the it's been kind of because I was younger I was just 11 and I was just looking at the material things and all the material aspects of my life so I wasn't really caring about you know the pain that that would have caused which I have been processing uh, some years later so still now that I'm basically 19 and what what something that really helped me that period of time was someone that really helped me was my grandma because she was just you know, the only thing that I really knew that was always going to be there, I was sure about her being there. Whereas I couldn't be sure about my parents because they had just broken up and they were starting the separation and divorce and everything. But I was sure that my grandma was going to be there for me. And other than that, Since I was a child, since I was very young, I've been her princess. So she used to say, you're my princess. You're the princess of grandma's house. So I was her kind of favorite one. And we would share everything. We would talk about everything. I've always told her everything about my life. Boyfriends and friends and school, everything. So she has been like a mother to me. And when she got COVID, I didn't even know that that was going to be the end of her last you know, a few days together and I didn't even get the chance to see her while she was sick and I never held her hand and I never said goodbye, Grandma. I've never seen her body. So there is something that I've been dealing with because it kind of felt like I had been waiting for her to come back home because I didn't see her dad. But she never came back and I've been waiting for that day to happen. I couldn't accept that. And still now, I feel like I still need to process this. I might have accepted it, but I still didn't really process. So I've been also thinking about starting a a therapy journey because I think that will really help me process a lot of things. Even before I leave for university and I start living by myself, I kind of wanted to, you know, start a new path in my life and try to deal with everything that hasn't been dealt with. And when I lost her, I kind of felt like I lost everything. So I started having social anxiety. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to see anyone. And a month later, uh, things were getting better here. So people were less sick. And so people were starting to go out. And everyone was smiling after, you know, three months at home. Everyone was happy, smiling. And I was just wondering, why is everyone so happy? Whereas my life is literally falling into pieces. And I felt like people were not understanding. And so I also felt like my pain was weird. And I've been dealing with not being able to let her go. I mean, I needed to let go of the pain. But in my mind, it has always looked like if I let go of the pain, I let go of her. So I don't want to let her go. So I'm not gonna let go of the pain. So I've been, you know, living with this kind of suffering forever. <laughs> hmm. Yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing all of that. Um
1: I guess you- my Italian accent is thicker than it was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'm from my
1: class, but I speak Italian here every day and French and Spanish. I don't really have any American to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: one thing that I remember in that first conversation is that you talked about how you had decided not to be angry with God. Um, Do you still feel that way? Or, I mean, how do you feel about, about that uh, and your relationship with God in relationship with the loss of your grandmother?
1: so at the very beginning i was mad i was mad at the world i was angry i was exhausted of even crying i was wondering why that happened to me and why it happened to her and why it happened that way i mean not even being able to say goodbye i mean if she had leukemia or cancer not that it's even better there's nothing better i'm not even you know comparing but if she had had another kind of disease. I could have held her hand and walk with her throughout this path and be more conscious about her death coming, you know, closer. Whereas it happened just in a horrible way. Then I wondered you know why did God this to me like why why would he do this to me why there's no I can't really understand like I was blaming everything on him because I actually needed someone to blame on, that on and I couldn't blame it on my parents I couldn't blame it on my family I couldn't blame it on anyone I just was blaming that on someone that is bigger than me and you know an authority that was more important than all the humans and then I realized that God really didn't I mean he doesn't do things to hurt you and i know that he didn't do this to hurt me and i can't really find an answer it just happened and i guess everyone goes through the worst things so we can't always blame god life is can be horrible sometimes but god also gave me a lot of beautiful things like god Pug me in this family so I can have her God gave me that grandma God gave me all those memories so now right now I feel thankful to God for giving me that I'm not even mad anymore because I don't think grandma wants me to be mad at God (laughs)
0: yeah well I'm really excited about today's guest Gaia because Our special guest today, I think she's anxious to talk to you, too. I've seen her nodding her head and kind of writing some things down. Um, But our special guest today uh, was recommended to me by a good friend, Amber Cullum. She's passionate about helping people find hope in their suffering. All of her books, the Bible study Desperate for Hope, her memoir, Walking Through Fire, and the devotional The Scars That Have Shaped Me, encouraged readers to turn to Christ in their pain. Some of her greatest joys are being a wife to Joel and a mother to Katie and Christy. She writes regularly for Desiring God and has been featured on Family Life Today, Johnny and Friends, and Christianity Today. Vanita Reisner, welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm really honored that you'd ask me. Uh,
0: well, I'm honored that Amber would connect us. and um, Yeah, I'm excited to hear your story. Would you mind sharing it with... Myself and Gaia.
2: Yeah, I'd love to. So I was born in India, and um, I when I was three months old, I got polio. Now polio was completely um, like nobody had polio. The vaccine had been developed over a dozen years before I was born, and so the doctors had no idea what I had. Now the vaccine in India, where I was, most people, most children got it when they were over three months, so they got it at six months but the doctors didn't know what I had. So within um, a day, they thought I had typhoid actually. So they gave me the wrong medicine. So they gave me cortisone and that lowered my body's immune system. And so within a, a day or a few days, I was a quadriplegic. So I couldn't move my arms or my legs. And then the doctors were like, oh, wow, we we made a mistake. That That wasn't typhoid. This was polio, but now there's nothing we can do. So I couldn't couldn't do anything. And they told my parents, you need to leave India. First, they told them uh, I was going to die, that there was no way I would survive that. Then when I did survive it, they said, she's never going to even be able to sit up in a wheelchair. And then when I was able to do that, they said, well, whatever it is, life is going to be really hard. So you need to leave India. So my parents decided to leave India. My dad was a professor in a university, And he took a job just installing telephones in London just so that he could leave the country and help me. So I had my first surgery in England when I was two. We left the country when I was one. So I had my first surgery when I was two. And by the time I was 13, I had 21 operations. So I spent my life in the hospital. And we moved from um, London to Montreal, which was a job transfer for my dad. And I started having surgeries in Canada, so I had a ton of surgeries, and I was in a free hospital. It was a Shriners Hospital, and it at that time, which they wouldn't do now. I lived on a ward with about fourteen other girls, and could not see my parents except on weekends. I have one sister. She was, uh, she is a little over a year older than me, and I didn't see her when I was in the hospital. And I was in the hospital for months at a time. And once I was in the hospital for a year. So I was f- seven years old, flat on my back in a body cast all by myself. So my parents, Saturdays, that was it. And I was super angry at God. I I was so angry when people would talk to me about, well, God is good and trust God and, you know, all the things That would make me so angry because I thought your life is so easy. Like I live all day in a hospital lying on my back and you're able to tell me, you know, sing and do all those things. And I was angry at them and angry at God because I thought a good God would not let this happen to me. So my parents are Christians. They talk to me about God faith. And I would pretend because I'm one of those people that doesn't like people to disapprove of me. So I would pretend that I agreed with them, but inside I didn't agree at all. And when I was uh, seven years old, I had just learned to walk. So that's when I learned to walk. I'd gotten out of the body cast, um, learned to walk and was home. And one day I was wanting to walk a little bit on the way home um, to surprise my parents And I left the building, the school building, just walked a tiny little way. And these, a group of boys were like watching me because I walk with a limp and they um, jumped out from behind a rock and they started throwing little stones at me and they knocked me down and called me a cripple. And I remember that was the moment I was like, I want nothing to do with God. I remember just sitting there crying, thinking if there is a God, there's no way he cares. Like this shouldn't. I mean, I didn't think this shouldn't happen to a seven-year-old. I was seven, so I, I couldn't think outside of myself. But I just thought, this, this doesn't make any sense. So I didn't tell anybody what happened. But inside, I was angrier and angrier. I um, was bullied all through grade school because of the way I walked. And so I just struggled with faith, didn't didn't have any, pretended to have some because um, my parents were involved in church and I didn't really want to you know rock the boat but I was a pretty not nice or not happy person. And then when I was 16, I got involved in um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's um, FCA. And it. I was not an athlete or a Christian, but I, I joke <laughs> with people that I wanted to get to know the Christian athletes because they were <laughs> really cute. And so that's why I went. I only went to meet guys. That was the only reason I went. And a friend of mine and I would sit in the back and we would talk about boys because the only reason she was there was to talk about boys as well. And then one day she came home. She was on a retreat. She went on a retreat. I didn't go. And she said, God is real. And I was standing on her front porch and I wanted to leave right then because I thought, oh no, she's going to want to talk about God. And she did. She wanted to talk about God all the time. And I remember going home one night and just praying a simple prayer like, God, if you're real, show me. That's all I said. And nothing happened. Went to bed. Just said, God's not real. And then the next day I got up and I had a Bible that I had gotten from our church, never opened it. I actually took it out of the plastic. And I just said, God... Like, if you're real, why did this happen? Well, I'm flipping through my Bible. I start in the Old Testament, and um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Bible, Gaia, but I opened to Leviticus, which is a book all about rules. And I read some rules that made no sense to me, and I remember thinking, "This is what I think about the Bible. Like, this is a book that makes no sense to me. It's a bunch of stuff that, like, is not relevant to anybody's life." But then I ask God again, like, why? What was the purpose? If you're real, please explain to me what happened. And then I opened the Bible to John 9. I had never read this before. And it says, um, and Jesus, um, and he went by and Jesus is with his disciples and they see a man who was blind from birth. And the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And I thought, wow, that's kind of the question I'm asking. Like, why did this happen? You know, was it something my parents did that made you really mad? Or was it something that I did, even though I was, this happened when I was three months old? Like, why did this happen? And so it was the first time I thought, wow, there is something relevant here. And then Jesus answers, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the work of God would be displayed in his life. And that was an answer. It wasn't the answer of why, like what had I done? Whose fault was it? Which is often our question, you know, who who did that something wrong? But it was a much deeper answer to the why question, which is what was the purpose? And it was that my life would glorify God. Now, I wasn't a Christian then, but somehow the fact that there was a bigger purpose and that There was a reason for this. There was something going to be much bigger than me. I just felt like God jumped off the pages of scripture and was talking to me. I'd never felt it before. I'd never thought that God was real. And yet all of a sudden there was this sense that this God knew me. He heard that question and he answered me. And so I was 16 years old. I got down by the side of my bed and committed my life to Christ. And it was interesting. So I went away to, I got involved in high school, got involved in a Bible study, talked to my parents just about God, never told them that I had made a commitment to Christ because that felt kind of weird to me to say, guess what I did? But my sister knew that because I had been so mean to her. And she said to my parents, she's made a commitment to Christ because she's a completely different person. And then I went away to college and my mom was teaching Sunday school to high school students. And she said, can you come back and give your testimony? I was like, sure. But I'd never even given it to my mom. I walked in and started talking to these high school students and told them my story. And in the back, my mom was sobbing. And I went up to her afterwards and I was like, why are you crying so much? And she said two things one, when you got polio, I was devastated. And I just kept begging God to heal you. Like, if you can heal her, I know you can heal her, heal her. And she said, I just got this sense that it's like, you are going to, I'm felt like God was saying, I'm going to heal her at 16. She's going to be whole at 16. And she said, she remembers writing that down and kind of forgot about it as I grew up. But when I said, when I committed my life to Christ, she said, wow, that was God's fulfillment of his promise to me because you really were full at 16. But she said, the other thing was when you got polio, I thought it was my fault. Like my first thing was, God, what did I do wrong? That I would have a child who had polio and feeling a lot of guilt, like the doctors gave the wrong medicine. Should I have known? What should I have done? And she said she had read that same verse because the verse is, it was not that this man sinned or his parents. And she said, it's the same passage that God has shown both of us that your life, God is going to use your life to glorify himself. And so that was such a confirmation for me that, that God hears that this God that I didn't think was real was real. And he was listening to my every word. So then, um, Gaia, I thought my life was going to be great. I thought, okay, I've had one horrible suffering. I'm, you know, I was 16 when it happened. I was in college. And I remember thinking, well, everybody has one thing, right? Everybody has one hard thing. And then their life should be great. So my hard thing has happened. My life should be great. So, um, and it was great for a while. I did really well in high school, went to the college I wanted to, um, I met, um, worked for four years at a dream job. I went to grad school where I wanted, met and married a classmate. Life was perfect. And then I um, I ended up starting to trying to get pregnant, had four miscarriages, which was really hard. I thought this isn't a perfect life. And then um, actually I, I had, I had a daughter, do- the way it worked is I had a daughter, a miscarriage, now, I had a miscarriage, a daughter, a miscarriage, a miscarriage, a son, a daughter, and a miscarriage. But the son was born with a hypoplastic left heart. Now, I found that out when I was pregnant. And everybody told me, well, if you pray the right way, God is going to heal your son. He's going to be fine. And so I prayed a lot and really prayed that God would heal him. But he was born with a heart problem. He had surgery at birth. He was doing really well. The doctors were all like, he is doing amazingly well. So went in for a regular checkup. He was a really laughy, smiling baby. And the doctor, it was not our normal doctor. It was a different one. He's like, oh my gosh, he looks amazing. He is like on the growth chart. He's doing great. He doesn't need all this medicine. We were giving him medicine in the middle of the night, every few hours because of his condition. He said, he doesn't need all that anymore. He's past the danger point and he didn't refill a lot of his prescriptions. And I thought, that's great. I remember calling a friend of mine who is um, a pediatric cardiologist and telling him the good news. And he said, "Uh, that's not good news. He needs to be on that medicine for a year. He shouldn't be off that medicine. He was two months old. So he said, you need to call and get him back on the medicine. This was a Friday night and I couldn't get hold of the doctor. And I left a message. And I just thought, it'll be fine. I mean, he was doing great. Went to a baby shower for him. And then Sunday night, um, so this was on a Friday, so this was Sunday night, went to bed, nursed him, and he got up in the middle of the night and screamed and went limp in my husband's arms. And so we called the ambulance and um, my husband, Dave, took Paul in the ambulance. And I remember getting on my knees and begging God like I begged God, like I've never begged God, like, don't let him die. Don't let him die. You know, I have given my life to you. I've served you. I've worked in the church. Like I'll do whatever. Like I was bargaining with God. Like if you save him, I will do anything. And, um, some friends came to take me to the hospital and stay with my older daughter, Katie. And, and I just felt like God was going to heal him. So we, we got to the hospital and when I talked to the nurse, um, walked in and I said, I'd like to see my son. He came in the the ER and basically she said, your son is dead. And I didn't know what to make of that. I just thought I trusted this God and and he let my son die. Like what's the use of faith? But I, I didn't even know how to process that. I had been teaching Bible study in our church. Everybody was looking to me for answers. I didn't know what to do. So we I just sort of pulled it together. I did trust God. We spoke at his funeral and said the words, God never makes a mistake. And honestly, then I believed it. I thought, God, God is going to use this. But then three weeks later, I wanted to pull every one of those words back because God felt so distant and I was so angry and hurt frustrated. And I pulled so far away from God because I didn't think I could trust God. Like you give God your life, you trust him with everything. And something like that happens, you think I can't trust you. And I remember being in the car one day though, and I was so lonely. It wasn't like not trusting God had helped me in that I felt great. I felt worse because I didn't trust God and I didn't have God to talk to. So I just called out to God and I said, God, Help me. Help me. And God did. And the presence of God filled my car in a way that I cannot describe, but it changed my life. That is the moment in my life when I felt the most joy, which sounds insane. I realize that. This is months after my son died, after I was so angry at God. And yet I realized this life is about God. And one day we will be with God forever. And I didn't care about anything but God. It was just this taste of heaven that changed everything for me. And I remember after that, I was still lonely. I still missed Paul, but something was really different because my faith was grounded in this presence of God that I had, that kind of took my breath away. But the other part of that is I didn't understand that you could actually talk to God and tell him how you felt. I don't think I'd ever done that before, and I discovered the psalms. and you would not believe the things that people in the Bible say to God. I mean, they say some pretty hard things, like, God, where are you? You've left me? Why have you turned your back on me? You don't care about me. Like people are saying that to God. and, I thought, wow, God has given us this Bible where people are saying real words. Like, this Bible is real, and God is inviting me to say this. It's not that he's just saying, it's okay if you say this stuff. Like, I have it here, so if you need to say this stuff, you can. Like, God is inviting us. He wants us to because he knows we need to. He knows we need to say, "Is does God hate me? Like, I'm mad at God. I can't handle this. Like God knows that that those are some things that we need to say. And, and yet yeah, sometimes we do cross the line. Sometimes we say things. I'm not saying we can say anything we want to God. But because God loves us, if we do, we ask God, like, show me if I, if I sinned because I know you will forgive me. So I don't think we need to be afraid of saying anything to God because God will show us and we can repent and ask for forgiveness. And I just learned the power of honesty with God, which was incredible. It drew me to God, just like probably with your relationship with your family. Like if you're mad at them, but don't tell them and just kind of give them the cold shoulder, nothing gets better. And that's what I was thinking about with God. Like I can be mad at him and not say anything, and maybe that will help in some way, but it doesn't help. It's only in talking that things get better. You know, it's when you're mad at somebody, you have to talk about talk it out. And that's what lament does in our lives. It's talking it out with God. So that was this incredible experience for me where I just sensed God and understood that the Bible is real and raw and God invites that from us. So then I thought, okay, now I've understood the power of lament and trusting God. I was kind of like, okay, now my life is going to be really Fun and good. And it was really fun and good um, in the midst of that. But I was um six years later, I was diagnosed with post-polio syndrome. Now, you, you probably don't know what that is. I didn't know what it, it was until I was diagnosed with it. But basically they found out that people who have polio, like 30 to 40 years after they're diagnosed and have polio. Um, their body starts to go backwards. So I mentioned I was a quadriplegic, but then I had you know 21 operations. I exercised every day, and basically I went to this clinic. I'd had a pain in my arm, which is why I went, and they said, um, eventually, basically, you're going to be a quadriplegic again. So I had walked to work. I lived a very normal life, and basically they said, like one day somebody's going to be feeding you, like that's going to be your reality, and and that was really hard it just felt like, God, can you not give me a break? Like now I've got to deal with a life of dependence. And and I was slowly, you know, that was um, actually 2003 I was diagnosed. So 20 years ago, um, I was in my thirties. Um, now I'm in my fifties and I use a wheelchair more than I walk. I struggle to use my arms. So like it's happened. It wasn't, I, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like. And yet I would say in the midst of that, and I have a lot of fears, I'm not going to say I don't, God has been better than I imagined in terms of just saying, I'm going to walk with you through this. Like it seemed like the worst thing I can imagine. And yet just going back to that experience in the car after Paul died, God is never going to leave me. And, And the more I cry out to him, the more I know that he's there. friend if you're
0: enjoying this episode you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month finding something real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it we have a website monthly subscriptions to stay organized we design things we like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here that kind of stuff we're not in the business of trying to make money but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable So we use Patreon, and if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts, and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there, too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our
2: Patreon community. Then six years after that, so I was adjusting to that, my husband and my kids. So I had two daughters then and and a husband. Um, And then my husband came home and told me he was leaving for someone else. So he did. He moved out of state, and I parented to... Daughters who were um 10 and 13 as a single mom. Um, he moved away, he came back on weekends. Sometimes I had a body that was failing. I I sometimes was in so much pain, but they couldn't drive. I was driving them places, I was doing everything. They both said they um at one point wanted to, you know, be Christians, but they both at that point said no, they didn't want to be, they didn't want to serve any kind of God. Um, who would let that happen to me, kind of, but to them. I mean, and and you know from your own family, like divorce just, it's hard. You know, the kids felt like we had this great family and this great life and now my life is, is split apart and they had to split time and they were so mad at their dad and they didn't know how to process it. I remember my older daughter when she was about 15, she threw a Kleenex box at me and said, I don't want anything to do with your God. And I think they looked at my life and thought, this, what's the point of faith? If you have a son who dies, you're going to be a quadriplegic and you're a single parent. Like, no, thank you. And at times I thought, no, thank you. Like, this is not fun. And I remember lying in bed and actually even saying to my pastor, why does God hate me? And just screaming, God, why do you hate me? And yet God drew close to me in that time. And I would open up the Bible and God was right there, just kind of like he was there that day that I opened up the Bible and God spoke to me through John 9. It was like God was talking to me. I would open it up and there was God. And that's an incredible experience that changes everything. Like, yeah, maybe my day was going to be hard and horrible, but I was grounded in something so much bigger than me. And and I just kept feeling like God was saying, I'm gonna use this. Like you may not understand it. You may just know that I'm with you every day. That's all what that you may know. But I promise you, God uses every drop of our suffering. And and I've since that, you know, both of my daughters have come back to faith and have seen that God works even through what they would say is their nightmare and their their dad leaving them. And you know, they they really wondered if God was good. And I would say they both would say that God is good, even in the midst of the worst. And so that's very, that's my story, that, that life has been relentlessly hard, but God has been even better. And I know that one day I'll be in heaven and things will be, I won't have any more suffering or pain. But what I get on this earth is this, this sense of, Jesus that I would never have had without suffering. So would I would I do this again? Absolutely. Would I go through all of this? Do I want to? Absolutely not. It was horrifically hard. So I don't want to even sugarcoat this and be like, oh yeah, life has been wonderful every day. It's been great. Um, but um, one of my heroes is a woman named Johnny Eric Sentada, she's a quadriplegic, and she says these words. I wouldn't trade places with anyone to be this close to Jesus. And honestly, I would say that myself. I would not trade places with anyone to be this close to Jesus. Because God has been so good. So that's my story. I, did, I never cry on podcasts, so
0: I'm not sure why I'm crying. Thank you for sharing guy. I'm going to let you ask the follow-up questions here.
1: Wow. First of all, wow. I don't usually, um, show my tears, but I am definitely crying inside. Um, and that's because of joy. And that's because of how, you know, impactful it is to me to hear all of that, because sometimes, hearing about other people's stories and how they've been dealing with pain really helps you just listening to them really helps you understand i don't even know just really helps you like makes you feel less lonely and um i would have never imagined just you know looking at you you i don't know how old you are but you look you know young you look like a beautiful woman you both of you do beautiful women. And I love that. I love that because here in Italy, I saw women that don't really take care of themselves and the way they look. So I love looking at you too. (laughs) So when when you look at someone, you know, beautiful and takes care of themselves, that looks confident, you don't really imagine what's behind that. You don't really imagine what's in their life. And sometimes uh, when I scroll on Instagram, I read some quotes about, you know, kindness and I read, Be kind to other people because everyone's fighting a battle that you're not aware of. And this is basically what I see now that you've been fighting different, like several battles in your life. And looking at you, I would have never thought of that because you look strong. But I know that you've built this strength throughout, the, you know, all those bad things that happened to you. But it's so, you know, wonderful, really fulfills my heart with joy and faith and hope to hear that you still love God. Because it makes me feel like, wow, so I'm not like I'm supposed to be loving God, even though he has done what he like. He hasn't done that, but he let that happen. Like it didn't even let that happen. It just happened. And God didn't change it but i mean why would we blame this on him Mm -hmm. so uh my question is um has there been like a time in your life that you said well i am totally like entirely 100 percent done with god and if you went back to you know now, basically, I don't think you're done with God. If you were when you got back to the right path, how did you feel about it? Like, did you feel that you were um, messing around messing around with your own words and you were not being, you know, uh, in line with what you said? How did you feel? Yeah. So I would
2: say after my son died, I really felt like I was done with God. Um. And I just, I did believe that. And I think we need to be authentic as Christians, as people. Um, so I don't feel like I needed, like I felt that way. And I I didn't, you know, I didn't want to talk about God. I didn't want to open the Bible. Even though I I'd known God, it just felt like God had let me down so much. And yet when I met God again in the car, I didn't feel like, oh, wow, I need to stick to what I had said before. And I think sometimes we feel that way. Like, okay, if we're mad at God, we need to stay mad. Um, If we are um, distant from God or feel like we're done, then we can't go back. But I think God draws us back. I mean, once we know the Lord, he draws us back. Like, it's not up to us to hold on to our faith. God is the one that holds us. And so, even if we feel like uh oh, i'm I'm done god is God is gonna pursue us and and draw us back and so I think just being honest, and I do want to go back to something that you said, which I know may be shocking. you were kind of like, well, God, God kind of allows it, but you know maybe God has nothing to do with it. it just happened um and I would say before um uh, my son died, I would have said, yeah, like god God isn't really in our." suffering that I mean like bad things happen but God doesn't want those to happen you know they happen and God cleans it up and then um after Paul died I read um a book called When But God Weeps by a woman who is a quadriplegic and um she really and, and this other man John Piper who I write for desiring God both of them have this Theology, these weren't this idea, which I would stake my life on now, that God is in everything and there is not a molecule that moves in the universe that is not under God's control. And, and Johnny has this saying that, that I, I hope, I mean, I will paraphrase it, but she says either God rules or Satan sets the world's agenda and God is limited to reacting which means God is Satan's cleanup boy trying to make the best of a bad situation. But it really wasn't God's plan A for you. It wasn't God's best what happened. But God may manage to patch things up somehow, but your suffering itself is meaningless if, if God wasn't behind it. And I know it sounds crazy, but it was part of God's will for my son to die. And it was part of God's will for me to get post-polio. And it was part of God's will for my husband to leave. And I say that because if it wasn't, if God didn't want that to happen, then I'm not living, you know, I'm not living the best life that I can. I'm living a, like, not such a great life. If that hadn't happened, maybe I would live a better life. That's what we would think if we think God's not behind it. Like, if God didn't want it, then we're not living the life that God would think was the best life I could live. This is the second best or the third best or the fourth best. And that's beyond depressing to me. And I don't think it's true. I think I'm living the best life I could live. And this is God is using all these things. Whether I understand all the reasons, I don't. So I'm, I'm not trying to say, well, I know that this happened because of that, and that's why it happens but I firmly believe with everything I have that God has been in every piece of my suffering. And if I didn't, I think it would be really hard to stand because it would be like, wow, my son died and there was no meaning behind that. So I, I don't know how you respond to that. I'd love to know, but that turned my life around understanding that it was really hard at first. I was like, ah, that does not feel like a loving God. But if you put your stake in the ground that God is good and God is loving, God is better than we can imagine, then understanding when something hard happens, we don't have to understand it, but understanding that that God is going to use it for something wonderful ultimately is really, it changes the way we view our pain. So anyway, sorry, that's a very long response. I would love to know what you think.
1: I love the last phrase that you said that everything you know that might be basically dark can be used for a light and that is so true because now that um, a few years have passed um, I've been growing up I've been uh, kind of acquiring new awareness and new experiences and new things I've been learning new lessons I have acquired new You know, I've mastered new topics of my life. Um, I used my pain to heal other people. So now when it happens that people that are close to me uh, go through a loss, a very important loss, I know how to heal them. However, I'm still trying to heal myself, but I know how to help them heal. I don't I was wrong. I should have said that I I know how to heal them because that's a very personal and. You know very subjective process but i know how what to suggest to start healing yourself and it is so true that you can get something good out of that uh even though it can seem very hard but if you have that positive eye and that positive approach to life well you can still learn a lot and i have learned that um in spite of the loss in spite of the sad things that i have been going through after her death i've still had her so if it was so much pain that means that i've put so much love otherwise that means that her relationship wasn't really strong and what what's left now all the memories full of love so now i have a lot of love that i put in that and with all the bad things that happen, uh, all of their my grand then my grandma's death. So like my parents, what's left now? A lot of memories that my brother doesn't have because he was younger and a lot of lessons so in my future i know what i don't want to be as a mother i know what i don't want my husband to be as a father i know what i don't want my marriage to be like i know how i do not want my house to be and what dynamics i don't want in my house what kind of environment i want to surround my kids with so um, that kind of made me more aware and that's going to stick with me for life. So I mastered this for life. So I think that's enough to kind of start healing myself. So finding what's good, what's the light, where is the light and how, how to use it? How can you, how can you use the light, the little light? Cause you have to build yourself a little light, a little, you know, flicker of hope.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a verse in um, Romans eight and people Say this verse and throw it around and, and and I don't like to offer it to somebody who's in the midst of pain saying this is gonna feel better, but I built my life on this verse and it's Romans 8 28, which says, All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And and that is everything that happens to me is gonna work for my good and for my joy, or God would not let it happen. Mm-hmm. And 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 I would stake my life on. It. I remember hearing
0: years ago, Priscilla Shire share something that has stuck with me ever since. She took her hand up and she said, nothing is going to happen to you in this life that is not passed through the hand of God, that he either has allowed or he has ordained. And uh, when I read, you know, in Job where, you know, there's this, you know, cosmic thing going on that doesn't make sense. Or, you know, we read in John, like you were sharing earlier, Vanita, like God God knows and going back to the character like you were talking about, like, is God good? If you can stake your life on that, I remember years ago doing a Beth Moore Bible study, believing God. And that was one of the first things. It helped me in my own, you know, struggle with miscarriage and, and some loss that we had, you know, like, God, are you really good? are you can I really even trust you? And just going to that foundation of is God who he actually says he is not who somebody else says he is, or this person says, or my friend says he is. But when I open up scripture, is this who God is and do I trust him? And I think so much of life, you know, when whatever comes our way, I mean, listening to your story, you've, you've experienced a lot, uh, is anchored with that truth. Is God good? And can I trust him with it? Um, How much has the idea of eternity
2: factored into your anchor of hope here um, as you experience life? Yeah, Yeah, that is a huge anchor. I mean, I would say there's three anchors for me. One is God's presence in suffering. Two is God's purpose in suffering. And the third is the promise of heaven. Because without any of those, it's really hard. And, And I would say if you have to choose one, it's the promise of heaven. Because one day this is all going to end. And if this life was all there is, I mean, Paul says, the Apostle Paul, you know, we're most to be pitied. Like, if really this is it, this life, it's not worth it. You know, like suffering, like just do whatever you want, like live for today. Mm -hmm. But there is something so much deeper and so much better coming. And so it's worth sacrifice. It's worth pain. Because um, there's eternity with Jesus. And so, you know, my body's, it might be healed in this life, but uh, you know, in a couple of years, I might not be able to even get a glass of water myself. So I'm not going to say that's a super fun thing. I can still have joy in this life, but there's so much, something so much better coming. And that's what we anchor our hope in is eternity with God.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And I think that reframes our suffering for us. This is a blink of an eye. You know, it is a one drop of sand on the seashore or a drop of water. And when you think about it that way, you can endure anything and it puts suffering in a different perspective and you don't compare it because sometimes you look at other people's lives and you're like, wow, their life is perfect and wonderful and recognizing that um, it might seem like that. But if they don't know Jesus, perfect and wonderful in this life means nothing. One drop of super happy in an ocean full of misery in hell is not worth it versus one drop of hard, but yet having the presence of God. So not, not hard without hope in an ocean of joy is worth it every, every time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to wrap up here with a couple of final questions. Unless Gaia, you have anything you want to follow up on there. Okay. Um, if people want to know more about you and your story and um, your books, how can they find you, Vanita? Um,
2: Yeah, I have a website, um, Vanita.com, and um, you link to all my resources. My latest book is a Bible study called Desperate for Hope, uh, Questions We Ask God in Suffering Loss and Longing. And uh, it's about six questions we ask God, like, um, you know, if God loved me, why did this happen? What if the worst happens? What if it never gets better? And I feel like believers need to be willing to ask those things rather than sort of gloss over them because God invites our questions and God has has so much to offer us when we engage with him. And so the Bible study is about women in the Bible who've asked similar questions and how God met them in the midst of that. So that's my latest thing. My memoir is Walking Through Fire. So if you want to hear more about my story and a little bit of gory detail, um, people have said, "Wow, you are super vulnerable in that book." So if you want to want to hear that, it's um it's in that my memoir. Mm-hmm. And I have yeah. a podcast too, which is on suffering. I just I interviewed Johnny Erickson Tata and I interviewed Paul Tripp and just different people with different perspectives. So that might be interesting for people who listen to podcasts and and just want to hear just all about suffering. Yeah. We'll
0: link that in the show notes as well. What is your podcast called?
2: Um, it is also called Desperate for Hope. Um, it's Desperate for Hope Conversations About Suffering with Vanita. Okay. It's just awesome. eight eight episodes.
0: Awesome. Um, if someone is listening right now, who's having a hard time with God because of suffering, um, and they're just listening to your story and it's, been inspiring, but they're wondering, how do you even take a step towards a God that you don't trust right now? What one piece of advice or encouragement would you give to that person?
2: I'd say call out to God. Just say, God, help me. You know, the times that God is, I've experienced the presence of God most strongly was not these huge eloquent words. It was God, if you're real, show me. And God, help me. And and maybe open up, your Bible to Psalms and just say, God, just, just read, read Psalm 13, read, read Psalm 42. Just, just choose one of those and just, just say those words back to God, you know, like, where are you? Mm -hmm. And, and just wait. I would just say, you know, if you're just not sure what you do, I don't think you jump through hoops. You just invite God. And because God longs to do that. Yeah. I love what Pastor Josh White from Door of Hope in Portland says.
0: He says, God has already spoken a huge yes over your life. Uh, he's just waiting for the yes the other way, you know. The, will you say yes to his yes already? Um, yeah. So final question, Vanita. we ask this of all of our guests. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Real is an acronym for those things, finding something real all things that can be found in relationship with Christ, restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Which of those things stands out to you the most in your life right now?
2: And why? I would say just today, I'd say authenticity. Um, I, I had two friends sit on my back porch a couple of days ago. And they were both really struggling. One was really struggling with something and the other one had been through it and they didn't know each other, but I knew they both had finality and, and just, the power of people sharing their stories and their doubts and questions, and even like well, with talking with Gaia um, and how God met them is incredible. And I think God calls us to be authentic and real. The Holy Spirit lives in us as believers. We don't need to hide in shame no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I think that really draws people to Jesus and it it helps People heal when they can say, me too, wow, I, I've struggled, I've sinned, I've fallen, I've doubted, I've questioned. I, I think that's real help. Whereas I feel like we're, I, I love the song, Trust and Obey. But when people just throw those words out, like, you just got to trust God. I think that puts a Band-Aid on really painful things. And I think God calls us to walk beside people and pour our lives in and give them scripture in that way, rather than just kind of slapping on um words that people don't know what to do with. So I think authenticity is what God calls us, um, to do in community. Cause I think through the power of the spirit, it changes lives.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Amen to that. Well, Vanitha and Gaia, thank you both so much for being here today. This has been uh, an honor and a privilege uh, to talk with both of you and to hear your, your story. Um, Of God's grace in the midst of a lot of tragedy, Vanita, thank you for sharing. Um, And I'm just grateful that you are being authentic and sharing uh, what God has done. Um, In your weakness, he's stronger. Um, Mm -hmm. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.